Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Rochelle Doyle. And I'm Cindy Bradshaw. And today we are going to talk about getting clarity for our vision in this upcoming year. So what about work are you most committed to changing and improving in the coming year? I am really just trying to figure out how I can live my best life and work. Like, where does that fit in? And how can I maybe change with my employer how my job looks right now, which I've already done. I've already written out what I feel I need to not only support that organization, but support myself. And this is what it's going to have to look like. And it's either going to work for everybody or not. And I'm okay with whatever the outcome is. I just need to be committed to that. Ooh, So it sounds like your commitment is towards self-preservation and also trying to do the best for your organization within that. Absolutely. That makes sense to me. Sometimes in work situations, it just doesn't make sense. I'm doing things that maybe are not even in my job description that people want me to do. And those are all really great things, but it's not what I was hired to do. So it doesn't make me happy. And then it doesn't really serve the organization because I'm taken off of the tasks that they actually hired me for. So I feel like getting really clear on that is an important piece. Mm -hmm. I guess I struggle with how you put your foot down once you've already started to take on those extra roles. Like how do you backtrack? Have you ever had to do anything like that? Yeah, I'm having to do that right now. I'm just having to say, in order for me to do the best job I can possibly do for this organization and for myself, I need to be taken off X, Y, and Z. That's I'm just having to state that. Mm -hmm. And I'm also having to be okay with the fact that they may say, no, you can't be off of that. Yeah. Then I have to say, well, then this isn't the job for me right now. Like I have to stand firm in my beliefs of what's going to work for me because I have to care for myself and also what my beliefs are for the organization. I think it's a win-win. Yeah. What's interesting about that too, is that there's this idea of creating space for the next person. Even if, if everything that I present to you isn't the way that you as an organization see that it should be, then maybe there's somebody else that can do exactly what it is that you need to have done. That's going to further this organization to where it needs to be. And maybe there's something else I should be doing in my own life. And by me staying stuck in this place, I'm hindering both me and the organization. Absolutely. And I think it's about enabling too. You're almost enabling the organization. So let's say you work a ton of overtime, but you don't claim the overtime. Then the organization feels like they have enough employees in place, but really they don't have enough employees in place. You have to be really authentic and honest about all of that because then like I'm resentful because I worked so many more hours. So it's not serving me and it's not serving them. There was a really interesting graphic that I'm going to have to include in this recording. And it's called a stress performance curve. And it talks about 
people working from that place of burnout mm-hmm. and exhaustion and how unproductive it actually is, not only for the individual, but for the organization. They're not getting what it is out of that employee. So if I'm working 80 hours a week, am I producing twice as much or am I producing less because I'm just depleted all the time? And emotions are so connected to what you do and your brain actually shuts down. If your emotions are like, this is negative, this is bad, and you're stressed all the time, then your brain actually shuts down and then you're not your most imaginative, creative self. You have those attributes if you're happy and in a positive place. So emotions and how you feel about the work you're doing play a big part in this. And I think it's kind of underrated in our society and really needs to be looked at. Yeah. I wonder what role gender plays in that conversation because in, I'm just speaking stereotypically, there's kind of like toughen up, man up, just deal with it, just take it. And where does that leave things at the end productivity wise? Yep. It's like people just taking on more and more. And it used to be like, you're the hero if you take on everything. And so you get into this like pattern of, oh, I want to look good. So I need to take on more and more and more. And it's actually quite the opposite. The more you take on what you can handle and you're happy, the more productivity you're going to have. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to look at. And disrupting those cultures are so hard. I applaud what it is that you're trying to do right now because you and I both worked in the same environment and the culture was to get there at the crack of dawn and then to leave in the evening time. No matter if it was summer or winter, it had to be dark when you left. Otherwise, you weren't working as hard. Sunrise to sunset. (laughs) Yes. It's so interesting because that was one of the primary reasons I left. It was one of the main things that I'd asked for when going into a new place was, what's your work culture like? Are you going to burn me out? Because my desire is to stay at a place for more than two years, but I can't do it if, if I'm sleep shamed. Don't sleep shame me. And there's so many studies that show that turning and burning employees costs a company so much So it's so worth it for the company or organization that you're working for to recognize these things. If you want longevity out of your employees, especially in certain industries, it takes time to ramp up. And the longer you're in the job, the more you're going to be good at that job. It's like, yeah, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, you know, if you're only an employee for two or three years, you don't have 10,000 hours in. But if you're an employee that's been there a long time and developed, you have that 10,000 hours in. And that's worth a lot. What I think is hard about that for people, whether they're in senior leadership or not, what it looks like to emphasize that this is really important I think that what it has to look like is what you're doing right now, postmortemly, or even when you come in, just establishing those boundaries and sticking to it and encouraging the people around you to do the same thing. Because one leader can quickly transform an environment to look different if they come in and they set that precedent that I'm going to work late. So old employees, any employees, we're all expected to do the same thing. It's role modeling. And it is so important that leadership role models 
the right boundaries. And that is the premise that everyone's working from. So Rochelle, what about you? What are you most committed to changing and improving in your work this year? I really want to work on my faith. I've been really struggling with what that looks like and what that actually means. And I think that the reason that I'm struggling with it is the very reason that I need to work on it, that my brain operates out of logic so often. And I have trouble trusting that there's a plan for me or trusting that I can lean into the unknown and it will be successful. I would say that there's something there that can be applied for everybody. I'm a faith-based person as it is. So it's really hugely important to me to exercise some sort of a measure of faith that I'm not in this alone and that there's somebody else that a higher power that has my back and that this is all happening for a reason. So I'm working on leaning into my faith. And I think it's funny because when I first started working on it, what I did was I listed out every single thing that I need to do to work on my faith. And that looks like my logic brain taking over and typing every single thing that I could do. So in order for me to work on my faith, I'm going to read this part of the Bible, then this part of the Bible. And I like researched how to read the Bible efficiently in order to make sure that my faith was where exactly I was planning on it being. And we're a month and a half in, and I'm just now starting to realize that's not it. I don't have it at all. Faith without acts is dead. So I've got the acts that I'm constantly doing. But I also still need to work on that leaning in part of consciously thinking, you know what? I can't, won't, don't have every single thing figured out for me right now. And that's okay. Well, and isn't that the definition of faith? You know, it reminds me of that poem we read. It's about letting go. Mm -hmm. It's just about letting all that happen. And it's not about reading all the Bible passages. Those are reminders and it's okay to do that, but it's just about really letting go and letting things happen. But then I would also say like, how do you take care of yourself in that? Because obviously you're feeling like you have to take an action and it stresses you out to not take an action. So how are you caring for yourself and having faith? I think that actually my faith is my care for myself. So right now I'm working on a big project for work and for the past, I'd say at least two weeks, I wake up in the middle of the night and I start down this rabbit hole of how are you going to get through this? What's going to happen? What happens if it doesn't happen the way that you want it to happen? What happens if there's so many different pieces of this project that I directly don't control that it stresses me out? And what I've been concentrating on doing is taking my mindful breath and releasing that and saying, this is the faith part. There's a plan. The faith, the letting go, the just like, I'm letting this be. And wherever it takes me, whether something like completely goes off the rails, it's going to lead you where you need to go. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter what the outcome, you can stay up all night thinking about what happens in scenario A or scenario B or scenario C. You can worry about all that, or you can let things 
happen. And it's also having faith in yourself that you know that you're the type of person that's going to do everything you need to do. So it's not like you're just somebody that's going to totally flake out on it and just whatever happens, happens. Like, I think there's a difference there with faith because there's some people that are like, well, I just won't even try. And that's faith. No, it's not. No. And I think like you believe in yourself and your abilities. To go back to what it is that you were saying about leading from that depleted place. If I'm staying up all night stressing, trying to figure out how to fix a problem that I can't fix, then things that I do have control over the next day, I'm wiped out and depleted and I can't figure out how to problem solve because I've spent that part of my brain doing something that I have absolutely no control over, trying to worry about something that I have no control over in the middle of the night. Do we really have control over anything? (laughs) Something. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah, what's something you truly have control over? I think I have control over my work ethic, what I can bring to the table. Do I have control over the outcomes? Not really. But, oh gosh, one of my mindfulness teachers, luck favors the prepared, they would say. And I think that always stuck with me. And it has to, because I don't think it serves anybody to believe that you have no sphere of control over your life. Otherwise, what's the point in trying to do anything? For me, that's part of faith. It's like a a halfway point between control and letting completely go. Just letting stuff happen and control are like on two different sides. And you have to be somewhere in the middle because we all know people that are just like, ah, whatever happens, happens, and they lead their life that way, and things don't work out the way they want them to work out, but they're not doing anything to make that happen for themselves. That goes into how it is that we choose our words to focus on for the year. Like This word isn't something that I'm passively hoping will happen to me. It's something that I recognize I need more of in my own life, faith. Well, maybe faith then isn't passive. Oh, yeah. Because totally letting go and saying whatever happens, happens fine is passive. Mm -hmm. But if you say, I'm going to have faith, but I'm going to actively move towards a target, let's say that appeals to me, Mm -hmm. then it's like active faith versus passive faith. I love that active faith. I think you're 110%. I'm imagining that me choosing this word is that I have the control part down. I have that part down where I want to do all the actions and I want to control everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the part down where I'm creating any space for things that are are outside of what I've predetermined the win to look like. And that's, I love that active faith. Maybe the active faith is moving towards something that you desire. Let's say Let's say you want to go to beekeeping school. (laughs) You move towards that. You look into programs. You actively do that. But let's say there's no programs and it just completely doesn't work out for you. Maybe it's more about not being attached to what the outcome in the end is too. So like you can think you want to do this thing, but maybe you get redirected into this thing. That's really what you're meant to do. Even like you and I meeting, right? Like we love doing this, Mm -hmm. but we, at one time, our targets were on our work and that's how we met. And it could lead us to take a turn into doing something like this that we really love. 
being able to honor that space and say, okay, well, this is where we're going right now. So maybe I don't need to be so stagnant in this one idea that I had is definitely a part of things. Another example that I was thinking of is finances, trying to take control of your finances. It takes both, right? I can't do this on faith alone. I need to take action into having a budget, creating a budget, identifying what I shouldn't be spending, what I should be spending, what necessities I have, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's this other part that needs to believe that this is possible, (laughs) even when I mess up. That's a good example, finances, because so you can say, okay, I'm not spending any more money and I am going to like, I want to get my savings to this amount and here's how I'm going to do it. And you can have this really great concrete plan, but then you lose your job. Okay. That plan's not the plan anymore. So then you have to create a new plan. And I think that's what active faith is. It's like, you're actively always pursuing the goal and it can look very different at times. Yes. And still having faith that you can accomplish what it is that you want to and having faith that there's a good life for you. Absolutely. Love it.